you don't know who I am, my name's Kerry Smith. I'm one of the pastors here at Freedom Village, and I feel like I always get to share during a holiday, so that's kind of a, I guess, a special thing. <laughs> um, I'm excited to be with you guys this morning. I've got, I was joking with Pastor James yesterday that I have actually too much to share today, and so, um, but don't worry, I've edited down my sermon and it's only two hours instead of three, so I think we're good. You guys have lots of time because it's Chusok, right? I'm, kid- I'm kidding. All right, so anyway, happy Chusok, and in honor of Chusok and Canadian Thanksgiving, which is right around the corner, I'm Canadian, so I got to get that in there. Um, I want to look at what the Bible says about thankfulness, and uh, that's what the passage that James just read is what we're going to be going through. Um, I feel like the worship was all about that as well. So thank you guys. That was great. Maybe I don't even need to speak. (laughs) All right. Let me start by asking, what does it mean to be thankful? The, let me get my slide up there. The English dictionary defines thankfulness as feeling or expressing gratitude. And in the Old Testament, um, (laughs) <laughs> in the Old Testament, the Hebrew words "tuda" or yada are the most common words used for thanks and thankful, and they can literally be translated as either praise or confession or thanks. In the New Testament, the Greek word um, eucharisto is one of the most common words used for thanks, and that's where we get our word for Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, communion. Um, it was the word used in Greek to describe Jesus giving thanks for the, the, the Last Supper, the meal that they had together during the Last Supper. So the secular definition and the biblical definition both seem to say that thankfulness is not only something we feel, it's also something that we express. It's an action. An example of being Sorry, an example of feeling thankful or expressing thankfulness could be that I feel grateful for a meal, a good meal. I carry those feelings with me as I exit the restaurant and I walk down the street, right? That's just, that's just feeling, though. That's not expressing. If I want to express my thankfulness, I can go to the chef or the waiter and I can say, that was a great meal. I really enjoyed that. I'm expressing my thankfulness. I'm taking action. And in Western countries, we give a tip to the waiter or the waitress. Um, Tipping is supposed to be a way to show thankfulness or express gratitude. And it's just kind of expected now in Western cultures. Even if you're not thankful, you still have to give a tip. Um, So I'm very thankful for the non-tipping culture in Korea. (laughs) And I want to express that and confess that to you this morning. Um, but I want to look at just at more than just the definition of thankfulness um, or the translation of the words. I want to look at what the Bible actually says about thankfulness. So if you're familiar with, the, with Old Testament Israel, you know that every year Israel needed to take the firstborn, the untainted, the best of the best from their, from their livestock and offer that as a thanksgiving, as a sacrifice, sorry, to God for the forgiveness of their sins. In Psalm 50, 
God is talking through Asaph. Asaph is prophesying here. And God says that he has no complaint with Israel's sacrifices. They're doing everything. They're doing the procedures correctly. But it isn't enough. And we hear this from God in other interactions with Israel as well. Um, He is more concerned with their hearts than the actual sacrifices themselves. He says in Psalm 50 verse 14, Make thankfulness your sacrifice and keep the vows you made to the Most High. In other words, offer thanksgiving to me and be obedient. That's what I'm really wanting from you. And then down in verse 23 of of that same psalm, Psalm 50, God says, The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. The word of the Lord spoken through Asaph here is spoken against the attitude that sacrifices and offerings alone were enough to live how God wanted them to live. Several times throughout Israel's history, the majority of them were living as if following the rituals and just going through the motions was enough for God. As if he was just another pagan god requiring blood because that's what other nations required. They just required blood, blood sacrifices. But the God of Israel, the true God, desired something more. God desired and still desires a heart full of thankfulness and recognition of who he is. This is really the reason for making a sacrifice in the first place, right? For the most part, sacrifices and offerings had to do with the forgiveness of sins, the sins of Israel or making themselves clean before God. But the root of it was a recognition of who God was and is and a recognition that he was the one alone who could remove their sin and make them clean. In the beginning of Paul's letter to the Colossians, Pastor James just read, Paul shares his desire for, desires for the Colossians, and he shares what his prayers are for them. In Colossians 1, verse 9, he says, We have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. And then in verse 12, he says, We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Paul's prayer is that the Colossians, who are one of his church plants, would be full of joy and thankfulness. So why is thankfulness so important to Paul? Usually I don't get to the point so quickly, but I'm going to hear for Paul, thankfulness is so important because he believes that thankfulness is a central aspect of prayer, and therefore it is a central aspect of faith. You can see through his letters that he continually tells believers to be thankful. And why does he do that? Because he himself is thankful, and he recognizes how important being thankful has been in his own life. He describes his old life in Acts and in Galatians, and you can see that although he knows he didn't deserve Jesus, Jesus' mercy, he's thankful for it. He, descri- um, 
Let me read verse 12 of Colossians 1 again. This is from the ESV this, this time. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He has rescued us, Paul says. Paul may be one of the leaders of the worldwide church, but he knows where he came from. He knows God had every right to wipe him out and and to, to kill him. He hated Christians. He wanted to destroy the church. And yet Jesus came to him, not in a violent way, not in fiery judgment, but Jesus came to him offering grace and forgiveness. And Paul is thankful for it. He wants the Colossians to remember that same grace, that same grace and deliverance that Jesus has given to them as well, and to be overflowing with the same thankfulness that Paul himself has. Paul begins the letter of Colossians by saying in verses 3 and 4, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. You can see that Paul is trying to emphasize his pleasure that, that they not only heard and accepted the gospel, but that they are living it out as well. And he tells them that he is thankful for it. For Paul, thankfulness is an essential part of the faith. He actually begins most of his letters by telling the people that he's writing to how thankful he is and and what he's thankful for. At the beginning of Romans, he states that he's thankful for for their faith and that it's being reported all over the world. In, in Corinthians, at the beginning of the la- that letter, he constantly thanks God for, their, for the grace that he has shown them and how grace has changed their lives for the better. In the book of Philippians, which we're going through right now, he thanks God for their faithfulness and their partnership in the gospel. Thankfulness is a central part of faith because for Paul, it is an essential part of prayer. And we've, we've seen in Colossians he believes in the most, sorry, we've seen in Colossians he believes in the, in the importance of continually remembering what God has done for us and thanking him for it. And, and in doing so, in remembering what God has done for us and thanking him for it, thanksgiving actually becomes part of how we grow in, in our faith. Several times throughout Paul's letter, he commands that the believers he's writing to be thankful. In Colossians 3, verses 15 through 17, Paul says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another, with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. 
just from this passage alone, we can see how important thankfulness is to Paul. He mentions being thankful three times here. So why does Paul command believers to be thankful? Maybe we actually have to ask a different question. Maybe we need to ask why does he need to, or why does he need to urge or command believers to be thankful? And I think it's for a few reasons. Paul, number one, Paul is trying to show that thankfulness is how we grow in faith. Something we need to understand is that we can't just produce thankfulness from nothing. It needs to come from reflection. There needs to be an object for our thankfulness. Um, I can't just say I'm thankful. I need to say I'm thankful for something, right? Even if I say I'm thankful for everything, Everything is still an object of my thankfulness. And so Paul isn't just saying, be thankful. That's actually how a lot of translations translate verse 15. But I think there's more there. I, I like how the message puts it. It says, cultivate thankfulness. Cultivate means try to make it grow. Develop it. Work on it. And, and we work on it by reflecting on what we should be thankful for. Here in Colossians, Paul actually explains how to be thankful. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I like how one commentator explains this verse. He says, let the peace of Christ be your umpire, ruling in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ act as an umpire when you get angry, when you're envious, when... when Passions arise that shouldn't arise, restrain them. Let the peace of Christ be the decider of everything, the commentator says. And Paul isn't just talking about personal peace. He's also talking about corporate peace, having peace as a body of, of believers. Um, as members of one body, he says, you were called to peace. And then something comes, and then comes the commandment, he says, be thankful, or cultivate thankful, the message says. Same thing here. Paul is not just calling us to personal thankfulness. He's also calling us to corporate thankfulness, to be thankful together as a body. In Ephesians 5.19, Paul says, address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Um, later in verse 16 of Colossians 3, we see him saying a similar thing to a similar thing in that chapter. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So for Paul, cultivating thankfulness is not only done on a personal level, but it's also done on a corporate or a communal level as well. In other words, we can't cultivate thankfulness by ourselves. It needs to be done both individually 
and in community. So there needs to be a time when we personally reflect and think about what we're thankful for. And we do that in our personal prayer time, maybe in a journal, if you have a prayer journal. And then we express thankfulness when we sing together as a, as a church, right? When we interact with each other in peace and in love, and as Paul says, in submission. And then in verse 16, Paul says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. And what is the message of Christ? It's the gospel. The good news that Jesus came to set us free from sin. But it's also the words of Christ, his teachings. And he's saying we need to dwell on the gospel and we need to meditate on his word. We need to reflect on it. We need to study it. We need to apply it to our lives. We need to let it have power over us. We need to let how we need to let his word affect how we live. We need to live it out. So Paul tells the Colossian believers to dwell on the message of Christ and later he tells us to be grateful for that message, to sing to God with gratitude in our hearts. Gratitude for what? Gratitude for what Jesus has done and what he's continuing to do in our lives. If we're letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts and trying to cultivate thankfulness in our lives, then the result will always be a changed heart, a changed and a changing heart because he continually works in our hearts, doesn't he? And we will be overflowing with thankfulness as it says in Colossians 2.7. So when Paul tells believers like the Colossians and like you and me to be thankful, it starts with reflecting on what God has done for us. He is the object of our thankfulness. He is where deep and overflowing thankfulness begins. So I want to look at that passage in Colossians 2.7 that mentions overflowing with thankfulness. Let's start with verse 6. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So we cultivate thankfulness by purposely trying to develop it in our lives. We need to take the responsibility of cultivating thankfulness in our lives. We need to make time for reflection. We need to express it as a church in a corporate setting together as we sing together, as we interact with each other. But Paul also says here in Colossians 2 that thankfulness is the fruit of following Christ. It's a natural thing that's actually going to just appear as we seek after and obey Jesus. So I've talked about the fruits of the Spirit before, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, gentleness, and faithfulness. The fruits of the Spirit are the same, right? They are something that we try to cultivate in our lives, but they are also something that is produced naturally as we follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
And thankfulness is exactly the same. We need to intentionally try to develop thankfulness, but it also appears as a result of following God. So why does Paul need to urge or command believers to be thankful? We looked at number one, thankfulness is how we grow in our faith. Number two, Paul sees the potential to forget. Paul knows better than any of the Gentile Christians he's writing to the history of Israel and how Israel continually forgot where God had brought them from and what he had done for them. Time and time again, God delivers Israel from Egypt, from the Canaanites, from the Philistines. And time and time again, as time goes on and things become comfortable, Israel forgets and turns away from God. And Paul knows that forgetting what God has done stems from a lack of thankfulness. It's so easy to become distracted with the busyness and the worries of life. And so Paul, over and over again, encourages believers to cultivate and to practice thankfulness. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Paul says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And I think one of the reasons all people, believers and non-believers, are not continually thankful is because we connect thankfulness with good circumstances or good things in our lives, being comfortable. We think, phew, now I can be thankful because things are going well, right? But Paul is actually saying here in 1 Thessalonians, be thankful in all circumstances, good and bad. So I want to list these out. Why are we not thankful or why do we not feel like being thankful? This is a sermon of lists, by the way. (laughs) I was making fun of Levi last week because he had so many points, but I think I've blown him out of the water this week. So number one, we are not thankful because we connect being thankful with being comfortable, like I just mentioned. I think we just covered that in 1 Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances, good and bad, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So that's number one. Number two, why are we not thankful? Because we focus too much on our present circumstances. Instead of being thankful for being rescued and released from Egypt, Israel grumbles and complains to God. Why? Because they focus too much on their present circumstances. In Matthew 13, Jesus tells the parable of the sower. And then he turns around and he explains this parable to his disciples. And we can read that in verses 20 and 22. It says, The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And then another person in verse 22, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So you see, this describes people who are focused too much on their circumstances. And we know that our circumstances can change in an instant, right? 
We've seen that this last year and a half. Level one to level three, level two, things are looking good, boom, level four. Things are constantly changing. So I have a question, how have all of you been doing this year? Are you focusing on our present circumstances? Or are you focusing on the one who never changes? On the one, sorry, on what he has done and who he is? And I'm preaching to myself here. I'm just as guilty as all of you are. The worries of life are strong, but our God is a rock that we can look to and depend on. Amen? So a third thing, why are we not thankful? Because of sin. Romans 1, 18 through 21 says, But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks That's interesting. They wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. What what does it mean to give thanks to God? Giving thanks means acknowledging who God is and what he's done. Here in Romans 1, Paul is describing the downward spiral that sin takes people further and further into depravity. And as the verses go on, it actually gets worse. Refusing to acknowledge that God is who he says he is actually hardens our hearts and leads us down a path of ungratefulness and refusal to bow down to the God of the universe. Why are we not thankful, number four? Because we don't know what to be thankful for. Why do you think Paul has to repeat it so many times in his letter People easily forget. We, we easily forget and we move on to the next thing, right? We're so easily distracted. We don't take time to sit down and reflect on our lives. We need to slow down. We need to turn off our phones. We need to turn off the distractions and just sit and be quiet. But we don't know how to do that. Some of you know how to do that. For most of us, sitting in a quiet room stresses us out. Um, I've got to be doing something, right? I don't feel productive. But actually, quietly reflecting is doing something, and it actually is being productive. So I want to expand on this a little bit. If we don't know what to be thankful for, what can or should we be thankful for? Here's another list. (laughs) Number one. Um, We start with the one who doesn't change. The one we can rely on every time to be the same. God is more reliable even than the sunrise and the sunset, which we see every day. He made those things. He made the sun. God's love and mercy and grace and concern for you are things that aren't going away. So when we're looking for something to be thankful for, of course we can start with him. We can start with who God is. And the Bible tells us who God is. I want to encourage you to take Scripture and use it as a prompt 
um, to help you pray. Because like I said before, when we're reflecting on, we need to be reflecting on what we're thankful for. So let me give you a few examples of who God is. I know that's small because there's so many, but Psalm 107, um, we looked at the psalm earlier. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. So right there we can see two things that the Bible says about God. He is good and his love endures forever. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and our strength. John 14, 6, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Deuteronomy 32, 4, he is the rock. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just. 1 Timothy 1, 17, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, Deuteronomy 4.31, for, for the Lord your God is a merciful God. And then Psalm 95 verse 3 says, the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In other words, he is who he says he is. So that's just a snippet of what the Bible says about God. There's so many verses. It's filled with who he is. Number two, what can we be thankful for? We can be thankful for what he's done. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, He has given us victory over sin. John 3, 16, most of us know this verse really well. He has given us eternal life. Romans 5, verse 1 and 5, He's given us peace and hope. John 14, 26, He's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, our helper. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17, He has made us a new creation. And on and on and on and on. There's so many things that he's done for us, but we need, to sp- we need to sit down and spend time reflecting on it. Number three, the third thing we can be thankful for is his word. The Bible not only shows us who God is and what he's done for us, it teaches us how to live. It gives us examples of people who have tried to follow him, um, and we can learn from their mistakes and successes. We should be so thankful to have an English or a Korean translation of the Bible, and we don't have to learn Hebrew or Greek. And trust me, you should be really thankful that you don't have to learn Hebrew or Greek. Number four, we should be thankful for each other. I mentioned earlier that Paul began many of his letters stating how thankful he was for the believers he was writing to. It wasn't just a nice thing for Paul to say. He actually meant it. He was very thankful. We can see that here in Acts 28. And from there, the brothers, the brothers and sisters, when they heard about us, came as far as the market of Appius and the three inns to meet us. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. We are an encouragement to each other. And that's part of why meeting together is so important. Um, we really do need each other, and we need to recognize we need to recognize this and be thankful for other believers in our lives. Number five, the fifth thing that we can be thankful for is for our circumstances. Paul knew this better than anyone. He was content in all things. He knew that God would use even bad circumstances. For, for his glory. And so Paul rejoiced in that. He was thankful. And yes, we're allowed to be thankful for good circumstances too. We just need to understand 
that things will change and that on earth anyway, nothing lasts forever, good and bad. So these are just a few examples of what we can be thankful for. All of us have many things to be thankful for. So let's take time every day and let's reflect on what we can be thankful for. And let's thank him. Now I want to give just a few examples of what the Bible says about how we can express thankfulness. Psalm 95 verse 2, it says, Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Let us joyfully to him in songs. Let us shout joyfully to him in songs with instruments. So number one, we can express thankfulness in song. I know not all of us play an instrument or are musical. A lot of the psalms are actual songs, so they talk about singing to God a lot. And singing is one way of expressing thankfulness, but we are not limited to, sh to showing thankfulness only through music, obviously. Um, not that we shouldn't praise him with song, but we're not limited to it. Philippians 4, 6 says, In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So number two, how can we express thankfulness? We can express thankfulness in prayer. We just talked about some of the things we can be thankful for, right? Who God is, what he's done for us, his word, um, each other, and many, many, many other things. So there's so many things that we can be thankful for and that we can bring to God in prayer. Isaiah 12 verse 4 says, Thank the Lord, praise his name, tell the nations what he has done, let them know how mighty he is. So the third thing, that, uh, the third thing of how we can express thankfulness is we express thankfulness when we tell others about what God has done. Not only what he has done in our own lives, but what he has done for everyone. We can publicly proclaim our thankfulness as Paul does at the beginning of many of his letters. If we're thankful, it's important to tell others about it, how we're feeling and why. This can be a testimony to non-believers and an encouragement to our fellow believers. And this leads me to the final thing that I want to talk about today. What does thanksgiving lead to? Micah 6 verse 8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So what does thanksgiving lead to? Thanksgiving leads, to, leads us to goodness. We show appreciation for God's goodness by reciprocating his goodness. We show thankfulness for his goodness by doing good. God's goodness and our recognition, our appreciation, our thankfulness for his goodness will lead us to doing good. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So number two, 
what does thanksgiving lead to? It leads to peace. When we come before God, when we pour out our hearts to Him, and we really trust Him, and we thank Him for who He is and what He's doing, the Bible tells us you will experience peace. And I talked about this at Christmas time. The angels proclaimed glory to God in the highest and peace to those with whom He is pleased. When we're following God with all our hearts, when we're living for His glory, we are living the life He created us to live. We, are, we, become, we overflow with thankfulness and love, and his, his peace rests on those with whom He is pleased, those who are doing His will. Finally, number three, thankfulness leads us to receiving the glory that He is due. 2 Corinthians 4.15 says, as, God, as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be a great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. As we share the love of God and the thankfulness we have for Him with others, they become full of thankfulness for who God is and what He's done. And God is honored and glorified because the people who he, he has created are turning to him and living the lives he created them to live. We glorify God when we live the life he created us to live. Back to one of the first verses that I <clears throat> mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, Psalm 50, verse 23. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. What does it mean to be thankful? Recognizing who God is, what he's done, what he's doing, and glorifying him by offering our lives in thanksgiving. And as Paul says, being thankful in everything. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. Our lives are offerings of thanksgiving. Let's pray.